Welcome to season three of the Good Life Review podcast. I'm your host, Trelena Daniel. The Good Life Review is a literary magazine you can find at thegoodlifereview.com. And this podcast highlights the up and coming writers with incredible talent and expertise. They share their worldly insights, have brilliant writing recommendations, and are incredibly insightful to learn from. This season, I'm working with a team of editors to do various podcast episodes with different interviewers. We hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to reach out if you want to learn more about our lit magazine or want to learn more about our highlighted authors. Sure. My name is Brian Starchman and I wrote Read Her Lips. Yeah, so about five years ago, I was driving cross country and um, and it was a great trip. I was solo and uh, and I didn't have a goal. My only goal was to get into the Atlantic Ocean because I'd never swam in the Atlantic Ocean before. So um, I was teaching high school. I actually gave the, uh, the, the speech at the graduation the night before, the kind of inspirational word. And then the next morning I got in my car and I just started driving. Um, eventually I got to... Um, to Savannah, Georgia. And I, I got into the Atlantic Ocean, actually, at Tybee Island. And maybe 20 minutes after I was in the water, an alligator had gotten into uh, down the freshwater into the salt water, and everybody had to evacuate and get on the beach. So that was my first experience in the Atlantic. <laughs> but on the way over there, I was at this rest stop. And, um, and it was, you know, I definitely lengthened things out in the story, but it was a split second that has never left me, that this man and these two girls just didn't quite fit together. Um, she, she made eye contact with me. Um, I'm not sure what she was mouthing, if it was me or to him. Um, definitely some of that is poetic license to try to figure out what was happening in that moment. But it was a split second as I was headed to the bathroom and it has never really left me. And he might have just been the dad and that was a friend and he was in a bad mood and he was dragging them to the car. But in the middle of nowhere, it just hit me. And, um, and I didn't know if there's more I could have done. Yeah. I, I mean, I think, you know, I, I mentioned to you in, in my email that, you know, I think knowing the ending of it, um, it, it, it kind of makes it more impactful when you read it a second and third time, but knowing that it's like something that happened to you five years ago, you did a, a great job capturing like the details about the, you know, the hair and, and her eyes and just like the situation. So, um, thank you. Yeah. And it was an interesting piece because when I first wrote it, it was written 2,200 words. And I, I always send out my pieces to friends and they just told me I was doing too much with it. And uh, and usually I'm good at being succinct, but 2,200 words was far too long for, for what it is. And so I just kept focusing on making it smaller and smaller and, and making it into flash fiction. Yeah. I flash Right. It's, I mean, it's a great, it's a great flash piece. Like it does, I mean, it does everything I think that flat, you know, flash is supposed to do. And, and I, I mean, I love reading, you know, flash fiction and flash nonfiction just because you do, I mean, it is so succinct and you get like every word, you know, matters and every line matters. So nice work. Um, it kind of, it reminds me of like the, the, the TikTok of writing. If you see a great TikTok and what they're able to do in 30 seconds, you can do the same thing with flash. Exactly. And with like, I feel like maybe all of our attention spans are a little bit 
you know, taxed at this point. So, so it's, it, it, I find it harder and harder to get through like longer pieces. And so this is, this is great. Um, Good. So when, how long have you been writing and when did you discover your love uh, for writing or where, where did you figure out that that was going to be part of your life process? Yeah. I, I, you know, I can, as far back as I remember, I've been writing, like I was writing stories in, you know, second grade where I realized I was plagiarizing star Wars. And so I I've always been a writer. Um, but I went to UCLA and while there I had two plays produced one at USC and I won the young playwright award at UCLA for a piece. And, um, and I had my first play published, I think when I was 22 or 23, and since then, I have over 22 plays published with Eldridge Publishing. Um, they're mostly aimed at high schools and community theaters, and they've been produced 3,000 times in all 50 states and 10 countries. And so I've mostly focused on writing for kids and writing kind of kind of modern family-type comedies. And during COVID, um, I've taken some time to write full-time. I've taken a break from teaching, and I've allowed myself to write more adult pieces. And it's been so freeing. Um, I've had... 12 pieces published in literary magazines since last August. And my first one that hit was the Saturday evening post. So not a bad place to start. Wow, I, just yeah. was sending, <laughs> I was just sending stuff out at random and, um, and a short story I wrote got picked up by them. And so it's been, it was a great motivation to just be like, Hey, you know, yeah, I can do this. Um, so I'd never really written short stories. I've always written plays. And so since then, um, God, I've probably written two dozen short stories. I wrote a novella about COVID-19. Um, I was traveling cross country during COVID uh, for the Steinbeck Center in celebration of the 60th anniversary of Travels with Charlie. And I only got as far as um, Louisiana and then everything started to shut down. So I wrote a book about traveling during the time of COVID. And um, yeah, I just, I'm, I'm averaging 30,000 words a month now. And the podcast about that too, right? Yeah, I had 12 episodes and then that died because I was sitting in an apartment in San Francisco staring at the same wall. So I I, I did actually I did more than 12. I maybe did, did 15 or 16. And then I ran out of stuff to say because I wasn't on the road anymore. But uh, but that was a good outlet as well. Yeah, that's, um, I mean, that's great success. Congratulations on, like, it's it's nice to be able to, like you you had your niche, right? The, the script writing, but to be able to branch out and get success so quickly in another genre and another space is, is great. So congrats. Thank you. Yeah. And check out the piece. It's in Saturday evening post. It's called the very last one. The very and, last um, what? Yeah. The very last one. Okay. The very last one. And it's about, uh, I won't give too much away, but it's about the very last living animal on earth. So humans have destroyed everything and there's one last creature left. And so it's a nice little piece. Yeah, we're, uh, we're making our way there, (laughs) but okay, cool. I, I definitely will. Um, so what kinds of things are, are you reading or do you like to read? Um, so lately I've been getting into, uh, they've done these reissues of the classic crime novels of like the 1930s, 40s, and 50s, the hard fisted kind of, uh, you know, down on his luck, drunk private eye, who's going to do one more case. Um, Stephen King's actually written this couple for the same, um, the same 
publisher and his are okay, but I love the ones that have been reissued from the fifties and sixties um, because I've been writing about a, uh, a small time cop for a screenplay. I'm doing a kind of a, a, a zombie love story. And uh, I needed that kind of gritty cop character. And so whenever I'm not writing, I find it's best to read. And so if I get stuck, I'll read something that is like the character I want to create. Okay, so it's kind of like uh, you're reading for a little bit of research or inspiration yeah. for that. Uh, that's that's cool. Um, so you talked about like um, you know the the branching out to to writing more adult pieces, um, and sounds like you have a lot kind of going on. Do, do you have any? projects coming up that you'd like to talk about or promote? Um, anything you're looking forward to in 2021? Yeah, so I do have two screenplays done now. And I, you know, I went to UCLA and I did some screenwriting while I was there. I worked for some Hollywood producers as a script reader, but I never really finished a screenplay because I, I tell people that writing a screenplay is kind of like playing roulette. Um, as opposed to like writing a play. If I wrote a play about high school, I know I'm going to get some royalties next year, but it's not going to be a lot of money. It would be like betting odd on roulette. It's probably going to land me some money. If you write a screenplay, you put all of your chips on one number. And if you hit it, you hit it big. And if you don't, you got nothing. But I had nothing but time right now since I was writing full time. And so I took the gamble and I wrote two screenplays one adapted from this novel that I, I'm not quite ready to talk about. And then the other one is called um, Nuclear Falls. I'm sorry, Atomic Falls. And uh, it's about the first nuclear plant in the U.S. And after it's shut down, um, the zombies come back. And uh, it's not a violent zombie movie. It's more that idea of um, what would happen if your loved one returned after 20 years and you've moved on. So you've remarried and your wife, who has been dead for 20 years, shows up at your door. That sounds fascinating to me. Like I, 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 I'd read that. I'd watch it. Um, so I hope. And I said it in 1981, so I kind of made it timeless. So it's got that kind of um, Stranger Things vibe. I'm a child of the 80s, so it was fun to to not have cell phones and not have all that technology and just be able to focus on a small town that's dealing with their loved ones returning from the dead. Yeah, I think uh, that's there's. You know, you can with with a, I guess with a screenplay like that, pulling that piece of history out is it would be it would be really like you know it's from your childhood. It's actually from my childhood too. So I, I you know like I enjoy Stranger Things. Like there are pieces of those shows that that you know we gravitate towards just because we have that familiarity with uh, with the era, but. Um, but it was fun researching the year. And there's so many great podcasts about the 80s, being able to remember what the music was. At first, I had my punk rock heroine. Um, she was wearing a Misfits T-shirt. And I realized that Misfits T-shirts didn't come out till 84, 85. So I put her in a Ramones T-shirt. Um, <laughs> the, the movie playing at the theater is The Incredible Shrinking Woman. And um, and so I, I got to play with what would these kids and this town have been watching? What would their media have been while all this was going on? That's great. Um, so that's a pretty big, I mean, that's pretty big, two big ambitious like projects. Um, are you taking off, uh, you know, teaching for a longer stint than you originally thought? Like, are you, um, are you planning to go back? You know, what's the plan? 
Yeah. So originally I was on that sabbatical um, in the spring of 2020. I left like three weeks before everything hit the fan. And my plan was to visit all 50 states in 125 days. And I, I'd saved all this money. I had left my job. And, um, and then I found myself back in California in no time. Um, I started teaching back in uh, August. I went back into the, um, the classroom virtually. Oh, okay. And then my school um, decided that everybody would be in person. And um, I have family members with pre-existing conditions. They were expecting us to sanitize our own classrooms. And so I resigned from the job I loved after 19 years. Um, they it just, there was nothing they could work with me on. And within two weeks, my replacement got COVID from a student in my classroom. Um, I'm fully vaccinated now and May is really the time to start applying. And so, yeah, I want to get back in the classroom. Um, I'd love to start teaching English again, um, somewhere in California. And, uh, I used to teach English and drama and it would take up, you know, so much of your day doing productions after school. Now the writing is really clicking again. I'd love to teach English full time, which is not an easy job, but at least I'm done at three 30. And if I am disciplined, I can still make time to write, um, during the evenings. Yeah, I think um, it's taking a sabbatical is a great, um, you know, a great way to just sort of reboot your life and, you know, kind of rediscover like all of the, you know, things that you, you know, you enjoy. And of course, um, sounds like writing, obviously writing is one of those, um, in that time, I'm sure you've had a lot of time to think about the next question, um, which is something we like to ask since the name of our uh, our lit mag is The Good Life Review. What what does the good life mean to you? Yeah, as cliched as it has become, um, COVID really has given me perspective on um, on appreciating just the smallest things. Like for a while there, the highlight of my week was to walk down to the bookstore with my mask on and get the newest copy of The New Yorker. And I could have gotten a subscription to The New Yorker for much cheaper, but it was just like, oh, it's Wednesday. They have the new edition, and I can walk 15 minutes and go get it and then spend my afternoon reading The New Yorker. Um, and those are things that you know would have meant nothing to me a year ago because of all the stimulus. I think one year I went to 50 different concerts and theater shows, and I was just doing something every weekend. And uh, and I, I don't I don't even think that I was appreciating everything. It was just more like I didn't want. It was that fear of missing out. I wanted to see everything that was available. My friends laughed that I was on the tour of see them before they die because I was going to all the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan and Paul McCartney and and um, Ricky. Um, uh, what's his name? Frankie Valley, just every Willie Nelson, all these people that were heroes of mine as a kid. And, uh, and I'm not sure what that was about. It was just that fear of missing out. And now I think if there were 10 concerts lined up tomorrow, I'm not sure I'd go. And if I did, I'd really choose which one I want to spend my time on. So I think the good life is, is really appreciating my health, appreciating my ability to, to be creative and to write, to have, you know, certain people that are very special in my life as opposed to trying to please everybody. Um, I don't know. I mean, that might seem like I've become more isolated, but I think I've just become more focused on what's important in, uh, in a, what was a really scary, scary time. Yeah. I mean, it, I think that you're, you know, you're, you're spot on with the, you know, just the fact that we, we kind of all were forced to get 
back to basics, you know, like, and, you know, in the absence of like all of these, you know, places that we can go and all, everybody that we see just on a regular basis, um, you know, like I found myself like missing, like, <laughs> this is sounds silly, but like, I didn't go to the dentist and I'm like, you know, just normal things. And so appreciating, you're not the first person to say like, you know, appreciating your health and, and, um, just the, the freedom to be able to pursue your, you know, what you love to do. And, and, uh, and I, I mean, I agree with, I agree with that. So I haven't, I haven't had a dental cleaning yet. And I'm, I'm usually a three times a year guy and I cannot wait to get my teeth clean. That's going to happen this month. I think. Yeah, good. I mean, and that's the thing too, is this like kind of, you know, when does it get back to, to normal? And I just don't think, I mean, I, I think it's going to be a new normal, but it, it, you know, I'm kind of going off on a tangent now, but like my, um, my son is in school and he's, has been in person and they've been wearing masks. And I just think, you know, I talk to people about the, you know, just the whole mask wearing thing. And I don't think it's going to go away. I mean, I think it's, and it shouldn't like, you know, it's still, it's still very scary. I think we're all kind of desensitized at this point a little bit by, you know, just what's gone on in the past year. And, and, um, anyway, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that, but. (laughs) Well, but I think, I think education alone, I'm, I'm definitely going to be writing about that as I process it because, I don't think that we realize the impact this has had on kids by any means. You know, I'm an awkward 41 year old adult. I can't imagine, you know, being a 13 year old dealing with this. And, you know, at a time that I I most disliked my family to have to be stuck at home with them with no outlet, no friends, no safe place at school. Um, And I love my family now. There's nothing wrong. It's just being a teenager. Sure. I can't imagine the impact this has had. And I think we're really going to see we're going to have to really pay attention. I think there's a lot of work to be done to, to re-socialize. Yeah. I think just, you know, everybody being stressed to the max, the kids, the teachers, you know, is, is, is a psychological impact. And it, it may be years before, you know, we realize what the full impact of that is, but yeah. So there's plenty of um, fodder to write about because, you know, there's so much unknown. And I think that that's, what's exciting to write about is trying to figure out the problems of the world. And that's a big one. Yeah. And, uh, you know, not to mention trying to solve the problem of not getting to the very last one. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I had written when this first happened, I sat down and I wrote a novella of 24 chapters over 24 hours and each chapter was a different perspective. And it was the day before the first lockdown in California. And it's all of these characters who are putting off what they, they want to do today until tomorrow, not knowing that tomorrow everything's going to shut down. And, um, and I think it was heavy as one piece, just to have 24 relentless chapters of like, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. And so I've taken six or seven of those and polished them up and gotten those published in literary magazines. But it was my way of processing it is what's going on in the lives of people that that now, you know, we would have taken for granted tomorrow or yesterday of, of, of I'm going to start a new class at college. I'm going to start a new career. Um, I'm going to go see my mom in the hospital, whatever it might have been that just disappeared in a day. 
right? And and regret is also just such a powerful emotion, you know, like, you know, you're going to see someone in the hospital and then you can't and then then it, you know, that slips away and you can never get that back. And so, um, yeah, lots to write about for sure. I'm also curious, so how much people are going to want to read about COVID in the next year, as opposed to maybe 10 to 20 years from now, you know, are we really going to want to sit and, and stew in it this soon? I'm not sure there's going to be a market for it for a while. Yeah. Kind of re-experience it and, you know, re-experience it, what you're still experiencing right now, you know, it's, but I think it's still important, you know, for the future as we, because writing always does that. It always documents like the current and present time so that future generations, you know, will know exactly what those experiences were as they were, as they were happening. So important. Um, Well, I want to thank you for submitting to the Good Life Review. Um, I enjoy your piece. I have, uh, I know our editors were, uh, were overjoyed to be able to accept it. And, um, and I hope you're enjoying the, the magazine and, and uh, hope you continue to, you know, or, you know, consider submitting uh, more in the future. So we'd love, we'd love to, to showcase more of your work. Great. Yeah, I've, all, I've already submitted for the upcoming, you have a competition upcoming. So I've submitted. Yeah, the Honeybee Prize. So that, yeah, that, uh, the window for submissions for that closed a couple of days ago. So we're, now we're deep in the, you know, the stack of reading through. Um, so that, that's, it's our, it's our first contest. So I'm, I'm excited to, to be able to do that this year. And yeah, I, I sent you another, another depressing and, uh, and sad piece. So enjoy that. <laughs> Well, fantastic. Um, and also thanks for your time today and for being willing to do, you know, this interview. And if people want to um, have a website, brianstarchman.com, B-R-Y-A-N, starchman.com. And I have linked there the story published with you and, and my other published short stories. So people can check out my work there if they want. If you want to read more, you can head to thegoodlifereview.com. Thanks for listening to the Good Life Review podcast. We are very excited to keep producing these podcasts and bringing you great stories from our current writers. A huge thank you to our editorial team that is mostly based out of Nebraska and almost entirely made up of writers from the flyover states, which is why we don't want your work to be overlooked. If you have a piece you'd like to submit, head on over to our submittable page, thegoodlifereview.submittable.com. Don't forget to like us on social media. You can find us on Facebook at The Good Life Review and on Twitter at The Good Life Lit Mag. Thank you for listening.